What up, folks? Welcome to another episode of Ignorant Bliss. This episode is a recording from a artist slash book talk I did with my homie Ron Wimberly at Phantom Comics in November. And it's the whole thing, questions and stuff. Yeah, and that's about it for this week. You can follow Ron at Ray Narfo, R-A-Y-N-A-R-D-F-A-U-X. Follow me at Julian Lytle, L-Y-T-L-E. And, you know, ignorantblisspodcast at gmail.com. Leave comments. If you can rate it on iTunes, that would be great. All the usual stuff. Follow, share. Hope you enjoy. I'll let you later. Peace. Today, we're talking about uh, Prison Cats. So, man, wait, um, let's, let's think about this. This has been a long time. <laughs> yeah, man. Like, uh, when, when, did, when did you start Prison Cats? And I mean, when did you start? Because we got to go back to that Lulu book. Oh. It has to be like 10 years. Yeah, well, when I first started the idea for Prince of Cats, I didn't really... Um... Yeah, I had finished... Damn. Yeah, it was a it was a long time ago. It's a mean minute. Yeah, I had no idea what. I didn't. I don't think. At first, I didn't know if it was gonna be just about Tibble. I know I wanted to do something with Shakespeare, and then I had an idea for a Romeo and Juliet story, and it it kind of evolved from there. And then it became Tibble. And at one point, I think Tibble was like I had gender swapped Tibble. And then, like, and I did the ash can. It started to come together, and I think the ash can was done in maybe '08. I thought it was earlier than that. No, nah, it was that convention. It was, was when Sentences was out. Yeah, we went to New York Comic Con with that joint, though. Oh, like okay. the OG joint with the like the fire people cut that joint off. Fire people. The, 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 oh, when they stopped, when they didn't let the people in because it got so because it was okay. so lit. Yeah, I don't I don't remember. But I know when I got started on the book seriously, it was two thousand eight. Yeah. And that was after sentences had come out. But before that, you know, like it's with any idea, you have ideas in your head 
you pick up little things and then they kind of uh they kind of meet and start to form you know the concrete nature of the work but like yeah i had little things happening for years yeah yeah but it's been a minute and then over the course of four years finished while doing other things as well and then uh it came out no one got it <laughs> everyone everyone got it but like no, there weren't that no, many no man it's sold out yeah yeah they weren't sold that many out like supreme yeah. drops yeah, yeah. it's yeah, sold right, out right, right, right. Thank you. keys keys um, keys keys yeah and then four years later man i feel like the first year it sold out i think it sold out like the first six months yeah dude. yeah that was gone hey <laughs> yeah, done. But it's not like they, they printed like 300 or something Yeah, like a bootleg classic <laughs> Yeah So And here we are Four years later, man Like I um, I waited out the contract I, I worked really hard to kind of um, To hustle to get the rights back And, you know Here we are That's right, kids If you wait long enough Yeah Then vertical rights will revert <laughs> It depends on your contract <laughs> It depends on your contract It was weird, too, because In between when the book came out or in between when I signed the contract and the book came out, sort of the whole digital comics thing happened. So, like, it became a question of, is it really out of print if you can still get it digitally? Yeah, they took it off the store, though. So, yeah. I guess that would happen. So, yeah. yeah. So, what makes you... Uh, what was it like getting the chance to reprint it and remake it in the way in which you wanted to the first excited, time? excited, man. Like, uh... One thing is, I was working with the design crew at Vertigo to do the book originally. This time, I got to do exactly what I wanted to do, just about, you know, um, within reasonable parameters. So, like, yeah, it was it was really exciting, man. I wanted to put something out that was going to be worth it for people who got the book the first time as well. So, I went back in and some of the design things that I didn't get to uh, address originally... I went back in and worked on so like we put the book out so fast like the book was announced to go into stores I didn't even know like I found out third party like I didn't find out from the publisher you talking Image or DC? DC Vertigo the first time right? oh I think I told you that time too yeah you might have like, told me I was exactly. in the previews I was oh like, they announced your book I was in I was fam like, <laughs> I was in fam looking previews like yo you know they announced the book right? I was in <laughs> LA working on Black Dynamite at the time probably yeah and so then the then the editor's like oh we need to get this book in I'm like B, you could have asked me before you announced that, though, right? And then, <laughs> then I could have told you, like, I'm out here working. You might want to, like, push it back just a little bit. So, anyway, we rushed it out, um, did as much as possible. We didn't really have the editorial back and forth that I had with Image. So, like, I would send Image, you know, I mocked out the whole book, sent it to them. They'd go over it, and they're like, okay, look, um, this person actually is wearing a different T-shirt or something. Like, that's what they would do, right? They didn't do it that much with this but like yeah. i had a lot more of a um copy editing and stuff so the language is more on point my homegirl who's like the other person who i can trust to look over the elizabethan english stuff mo like she w- went over this one again she gave me some notes so like this one is really thorough all of the sound effects that um were done digitally before like that maybe i missed uh so it went straight to press and then they took the script. The sound effect was in the script, but not in the art. Instead of like me getting a chance to do that, um, they just went with the digital effects. This, I went back in and I drew the effects. So like all the effects, sound effects are hand drawn, which is something I really love to do. 
Um, and I put the sketchbook in the back, which even gives you like, there's like a, when I first started out, I was kind of like, I put the cart before the horse and I drew out and inked an entire first sequence that like I never used. And I put that in here. That's actually four pages long, so. But I put two in here, so. Yeah. And you can see the alternate beginning too, before I, I changed the script, where Petruchio was um, alive at the beginning of the story. So I did chronologically, I did it differently. So like in this scene right here, you see Petruchio is in the bathroom uh, with Tybalt. And that doesn't appear in the, in the final version. You're gonna even see like as like sometimes I would design on the breakdowns what the characters look like. Sketchbook to me is like my favorite. I feel like the sketchbook is worth the price of the book. <laughs> yeah, like, and there's still a lot of stuff you ain't put in there. It's a lot of shit I, I ain't put in there. Yeah, like you can see these guys ended up pretty much looking like this, but a lot yeah. of these guys didn't turn out looking like. No, that. some of the most hoodest cats is in there. Yeah, yeah. That's still the best Juliet though. What this little one? The one, one in the back. Oh, the, this one right here? Yeah. Like that one. <laughs> yeah. Like the OG one. Yeah. So, how many of you guys are cartoonists? No? no I mean, all I've, readers. Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised. Like, you know, a lot of a lot of times people... I thought your sweatshirt said wavy for me. And I was like, yo, that's gangster shit. Yo, there was, there was a kid at the, uh, the portfolio review. She had a sweatshirt that said wavy on. I was oh, like, for oh, real? yeah, okay. Like that, though? Nah, with that type gangster. though, yeah, I think I'm gonna do that. That navy type, yeah, I'm gonna do that. Shh. Anyway, <laughs> so you need to talk too many people. Yeah, 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 it's okay, it's okay. Um, yeah, so I don't know. I was thinking how interesting it may be to know like what that sort of process is like as a cartoonist. But like, yeah, you, I was gonna say, yeah, you all know that you have these little ideas, and then they just kind of evolve, and then after a while, you put them out. And like, I think in this version, you get to see a little bit of how that. Yeah, you got. You also got Tibble looking the right way mm -hmm. on the cover. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it made you change it on the other one. Yeah, originally they had they wanted something arbitrary like. Uh, it needs to look at you. The, yeah, the hero <laughs> on the cover needs to look at the viewer. <laughs> like, what part of the game is that? And I was just so <laughs> I was so tired at that point. I was like, all right, cool. And I was like, you know, select tool and Photoshop and like move. <laughs> all right. Go ahead and fucking print the book already. Make you put it out, put it yeah. out. Where's my check? Yeah, with the paper hat. <laughs> so, um, now that it's out again, hmm. and now that people got a chance to read it, and the way the world is now, a lot of things happen since you put the book out. Hmm. What are your, some of your thoughts on what you were trying to say in the book? Hmm. I think, I mean... Yeah, you know, I'm I'm of two minds about that sort of thing. Like, not much has changed. Maybe visibility of things has changed. That's you what know? I should say. The visibility yeah, yeah. of a lot of things have changed. The visibility the of things has changed. Smartphone is a major key. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People have the ability to film a lot of the violence that happens. You know, whether it's just like maybe World Star, where you got cats just like shooting somebody over a, a shoe deal you know what i mean trying to get some jays on the street and try somebody trying to shoot them point black in the face for it or you know it be being like um systemic institutional violence like police officers you know gunning down a man with his hands up um that hasn't changed it's just it's more visible now the spectacle 
is out there. So like some of the things that maybe you see in the book that you may have not been exposed to four years ago have become like phenomenal. Like broken black body bodies are like hyper visible, you know. Where I guess part of the point of the story to begin with was to kind of like address that. And actually, in originally in Romeo and Juliet, Tybalt's death kind of goes over like the focus of the story then becomes like the punishment for it and not actually like the fact that this kid kind of like lost his life so I don't know I don't really think too much about the difference between now and then I think the audience I'd be be interested in like what you know what I'll hear from the audience about that and I mean it's a legit it's a legit reading of it you know like I put the work out it meets the audience halfway I hope like I don't I don't need to impress upon them like what to think or feel about the spectacle of violence you know but it's in there why'd you make Romeo such a bama though (laughs) (laughs) because I thought originally in Romeo and Juliet the language made it sound that way the way he spoke, um, the way, you know, he uses these, like, romantic sonnets all the time. And I think, I felt that Shakespeare, like, I felt that was kind of a joke. Like, I felt in the original context, um, Shakespeare was kind of saying, like, this is a kid, he's naive, right? Like, so, he could feel this way about Rosalind. And then, like, the next act, he's saying, saying that about Juliet, you know what I mean? Like, this is just a dude, like, he's a punk, like, he's not, like... Mercutio probably, he's probably a philanderer and like, you know, he's probably like a, a coxman, right? Like he, he wouldn't, he doesn't have a romantic sonnet. He's just like, no, like we're going to get wild. We're going to take, we're going to drop this Molly and like go to the party and like all of that shit, right? Where Romeo's just like, yo, he sees. He's savage. Yeah, he's, he's yeah, savage. Mercutio's savage. Where like Romeo's kind of like, wow, he sees like. A cute girl. He's like, oh, like I'm gonna, write, I'm gonna say these wonderful, <laughs> beautiful sonnets. But it's worse because like he doesn't even realize that like he's just he's he has the same sort of motivation as Mercutio. He's just not in touch with like why why he feels that way, and he has to he has to approach that through this romantic norm. You know, like this sort of narrative of like I'm gonna be this, you know, I'm gonna rescue. Oh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna climb up the thing and like i'm gonna i'm gonna marry you it's like oh we should do this right she's like oh but we have to get married oh okay well let's get married and like you know you're the only one son the third right well, that was rosalind one week and now it's you describing drake though hmm? <laughs> <laughs> i'm saying there are, there are themes there are eternal themes you know in uh masculinity there are eternal themes that that occur over and over and over again um i think so he's not a Bama. He's just a kid. You know, like, I hope they're all kind of... He can still be a Bama. He yeah, can be a kid. Yeah. He can be a kid Kid a Bama. Bama. That's like a new Ron name. <laughs> kid Bama. Kid Bama. That should be a superhero. <laughs> <laughs> he should mess up all the time. <laughs> so, um, now that this is out, this mm. is like your definitive edition. Mm. No more, no more extra special versions. Mm. Are, are you ready to, uh, are you ready to put Prince of Cats to bed? Yeah, no, no, I'm ready. I mean, I think... I would like to see, I mean, I would be open to staging it, you know, or I'd be open to it being in some other format. Hmm? Yeah. Sorry, I 
really excited about the idea of CG. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah. And I would, you know, I, someone asked me would I be interested in doing another, like, uh, Shakespeare uh, work. And I'm like, I'd be interested in doing what I did with Prince of Cats, but, like, in theater. Like, not so much. I don't know if I need to draw. I mean, I have some, I've had ideas, but, like, I don't know if I need to. I would really be more interested in, like, kind of pursuing that. Making an actual play. Yeah. Man, that's that's a whole different whole different type of scale. You know what I'm saying? That's 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 Let's go, that's sweaters though. That's sweaters yeah. and, and sitting down and yeah. Yeah. auditions. Yeah. <laughs> I need you to read this part for me. Uh yeah, a little bit, but like, you know, nothing to talk about yet. Yeah. It's too early. It's too early. <laughs> You know, secrets. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, we, we talk all the time. So, you know, right now, I'd rather open this up to um, people in the audience to ask some questions because we didn't talk about this. Yeah, we, you know, was there something? Yeah, like a question that they wanted that you didn't ask that you know? Yeah, I mean, like something. Yeah, you know, y'all have to have something. Y'all done read this book. I've seen some of y'all at the at the the, 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 the book talk. <laughs> the book talk. You know, I see. Who was at the book questions. talk? Okay, all right. Okay, yeah, yeah. Cool. see y'all. I know y'all got questions. Did you guys have cheese and stuff at the book talk? Nah, I don't have cheese. Esther, no, no cheese at the book talk. No cheese, no wine at the book talk. Oh. <laughs> all right, I'll see y'all in like another year. We'll have you know, after Sunset Park wraps up. We'll have a book talk, and then we'll have cheese and wine, though, right? Only the finest cheeses. Yeah. yeah. The finest cheeses. Only the classiest of rosé. Yeah. <laughs> Box rosé. Class, only the classiest boxes of wine and rosé. Yeah. <laughs> Jake, that's all uh, I mean. Yeah, I mean, there's some of these questions that I have are just things that we talked about at the book club. Um, so, the way that you structure the book, it's not a straight-up adaptation of mm. Roman and Julia, Mm-mm. and that there's not any direct adaptations until, like, 100 pages into the book. Mm. I mean... Yeah, man, like I, I, um, yeah, so when I start a project, I kind of think what helps me finish and what helps me keep it going is giving myself, like, giving myself problems, you know, to solve or like, uh, puzzles even. And when I had the idea, I, I started to think abstractly about Tibble and his story and people and their stories, you know, like, so, um, so for instance, if we're going to talk about, we're going to get like real Howard University real quick, right? So, like, the the story of... So, if we're going to talk about black history, like, black history, the beginning of the story isn't, like, you know, the transatlantic slave trade, right? So, in that case, if we're talking about Tybalt, like, the beginning of his story isn't, like, Romeo and Juliet, right? So, I wanted to establish, like, kind of uh, what his... Um, I sound corny, but, like, his motivation, you know? So, I wanted to start... Um, with him coming home also that was kind of like a shout out to I have like a lot of meta stuff in there and one of the running jokes in uh, Prince of Cats for me while I was working was like oh this is just like this is as if I made the story to the um, bad and uh, beat it 
videos, the bad, the, like the extended, <laughs> the extended bad video. You know what I mean? Like uh, when what is it? Scorsese did or something? Yeah, yeah. yeah like the when, one where Michael come home and he yeah, comes from from private school, private yeah. school. Like, oh, and yeah, he gets yeah, home yeah. and then Wesley Snipes is like, "You ain't hard." Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, "What?" Yeah, yeah. So like, I was like, I was thinking kind of like, okay, yeah. So Tybalt comes home from like from private school or whatever. By the way. Yeah, Bad <laughs> was filmed in the Clinton Washington station. It's Hoyt Skimmerhorn. Is it Hoyt Skimmerhorn? Ah, okay, yeah, yeah. So like, sorry. <laughs> so like, yeah, well, where we went to school in Brooklyn, like that's the station. Well, one of the transfer stations, like the hub, right? Yeah. Uh, close to where we went to school. Anyway, so yeah, that's why I wanted to do it. I wanted to have okay, you enter the story like uh, when when it's appropriate for him, you know, and then to reconnect it to the larger story and the fact that that story maybe emits something for him, you know, uh, I wanted to connect it to that. Beforehand with the language, and then as the language butts up against, like, uh, the narrative, like, the actual appropriated parts from Romeo and Juliet. Um, And, you know... Also, when it ends, you know that there's a bunch more that happens in Romeo and Juliet. Like, culturally, we're all aware that, okay, so now, okay, so this is, like, when Romeo's story starts to pop off, right? But, like, nah, like, we're not, it's not important in this. In this, in this it's about Tybalt. Like, his story is resolved there, you know, for the most part. Maybe not for, but another thing to think about is, like, well, after that, like, well, what's the story of his mother? What's the story of Tybalt's mother after that scene, you know? That could have been another play. That whole family. Yeah, that whole family. The Catholic family just... Yeah. just uh. What What about, like, how Juliet reacted to that do we not see in the play Romeo and Juliet? Yeah. yeah. Like her cousin died. Yeah. And your fiancé or your husband killed your cousin. Huh? <laughs> <laughs> you gonna be cool with that? You know? <laughs> Y'all ain't have time to talk about this, but he was on yeah. a run, though, I guess. Yeah. Well, I mean, kind of going off that, we talked, we talked a lot about, about, a lot about the, the ending, because mm. not only does it just end right there with Tibble's death, but it's, like, almost an anticlimactic ending, because mm. you don't have, like, a final splash page or something. Mm. Like, it just ends with the panel of him falling over, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Um, and then just goes to a black page. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, I mean, you talked earlier about kind of relating this to um, gun violence, you know, nothing changes, the visibilities change. I mean, I think that reminds, I think we talked a lot about it at the book club about how that kind of reminds us of when you see violence against the black community. Um, no, violence against our community. Yeah. yeah black I mean, bodies in the, the you know, community. Like, even if he came from this really great background and went to private school and stuff, that at the end, he's just a body. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you, I mean, could you talk a little about the... I don't know, it'd be like thing? real fucking art school on you and say like I'm not gonna really say anything about it like I think <laughs> I mean it's like your how you feel about that and what you, in your line of thought is valid you know and I wouldn't wanna I wouldn't wanna like soil anyone's idea I would the point is that you think about what happens at the end <laughs> you know what I mean it's not the point is not for me to say like you know anything really about that I mean what I said is the work you know so not to be <laughs> artist. <laughs> yeah. like, Damn it! Rude about it. Yeah. What's I ain't happening? gonna tell you what's popping. <laughs> Figure it out, B. 
I found in an old interview you did with David Brother mm. when you were putting it, like promoting it the first time, and you, the two of you spent a lot of time talking about your influences, mm. specifically putting Mercutio in the Akira jacket. Mm, yeah, yeah. And like the sketchbook where you've got the reject sequence where it's basically the bar scene mm. at, the, at the start of Akira. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that struck me when I was reading it, specifically the first chase scene when they're on the rooftops, to jumping at that, is that looked a lot like uh, any chase scene from Taya Matsumoto's Tekken Concrete. Oh, like, wow, right? yeah. Well, I love that. I love that comic. Um, that was probably when we were in Pratt, they had the floppies. That was like, what, 2000? It's a while 2000? Ago. Yeah. 2000. That um, was actually what had happened was when, that, when I was working on that was when... Uh, What's his face is like all of his movies and videos were coming out online. The French dude. Wait, which French dude? The French dude did like District B thirteen or whatever. Oh yeah, yeah. That's kinda like what that was, real talk. <laughs> yeah, no, I was just like the song, right? Hmm? No, 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 no. I forget the guy's the name. Dude, right? like this the guy, yeah, yeah, but it's he's it's his it's, those yeah. are his films. Yeah. yeah. Um Yeah, and I was thinking about yeah, I was just thinking about people hanging out. And like I lived in Crown Heights, so um right close to like this L I double R goes by and so I would hear it, you know, every hour on the hour or less, you know what I mean? Just going by. And I was thinking about these kids hanging out. Certainly I was influenced by, you know, by uh Tekon King Krito. But I don't know. A lot of shit though. Yeah. Definitely that those early like parkour films that were coming out. See I ain't listening to the episode. Did you talk about the fact that Mercutio was up in that dope ass Skeleton outfit like like Skelomania. Yeah, so Street I mixed Fire up EX plus Alpha. I mixed up a lot of things, so it's like it's that, but it's also like in um, you know, uh, Karate Kid all day. Though. Uh, yeah, Cobra Karate Kai. Kid, but also like yeah, Cobra Kai, Cobra Kai. but also in uh, Black Orpheus, he wears that costume. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like, and uh, Orfeo Negro is like he's he's literally he's like death, and like he's coming after. Yeah. Yeah. So like yeah I'm, I'm you know so yeah answer this question I guess <laughs> oh, no, I was gonna say I love the art in the book it's awesome oh, thank um, you. so you mentioned like doing a stage adaptation mm. like would you see yourself going to direction like Hamilton meets like artsy new age like because where the art is drawn is mm. like eighties nineties mm. and would you like try to mix in there like you know like some Run DMC in there and mm. kind of like do more of a stratospheric kind of I don't know man like the part of the reason one of the things that would interest interest me about staging it is working with other like highly uh um like other professionals who work in theater and kind of working with them to think about like what we can do so like taking I wouldn't want to I like if I were to adapt any of my works to another medium, I would probably be like the director that all the comic book nerds hate, who kind of just like <laughs> they like you know they they oh they look at something and it's like oh well what's the core idea behind like Batman and then like they do something with that and then the fans are like what he doesn't wear that costume or he doesn't do that and like but no like but that's kind of what yeah you know that's that's what I would probably be like okay what's the core idea behind this um, the language maybe is important. Outside of that, like, what is the core idea and what can we do to make this, like, a... The book already exists. It's not going to delegitimize the book, if that's a word, right? But it's going... Well, let's go and try to figure out how we're going to stage this. Like, you know, um, before I can answer that question, I need to know, like, is this a traveling show? 
is this in a what theater is this in you know like uh what you know what i mean like are are we gonna do are there gonna be musical numbers or something like but you see what i'm saying like yeah. and that's kind of like even when it comes to the ending of the book the way the ending what how that happens has to do with certain sort of like formalistic constraints that i give myself and so when doing staging it i would have formalistic constraints too so like in prince of cats why does it end that way like that's the end of the rhyme structure so it's A, B, A, B, C, C. There can't be any other pages after that, right? Um, if it'd be like kind of somebody rhyming, like doing a, you know, doing like 12 bars and then just doing like half a bar at the end, which could be interesting, but it's like, you know, it it kind of fucks with, you know You have mean? to do different types of structure almost yeah. because it's a play and play, plays work a bit different. There's rhythms and stuff, vocal inflections. Yeah, but aesthetically too, like um, when I was thinking about, I was pitching to um, DC Comics when I was still inside and like they had their TV section and they're like, oh, we don't, I don't think this would work as a film, but maybe it could work as like in TV. So I'm pitching my idea for like an animated version of it. And I was like, well, you know, if we were to do that, maybe I do something different. If I'm working with talent, like voice talent, say if I had like MCs who were working on it, like maybe... I can have this be the idea and then we can workshop how, you know, like these talented individuals can, like, what are we going to do with the language in this case? You know, maybe it's not Elizabethan English. Maybe it's like, maybe we're, we're doing something different. Maybe aesthetically I'm doing what I did with language. Maybe I'd even reverse it. You understand? Like, right. so maybe aesthetically we're going to go Elizabethan, but like language, we're going to go like contemporary. So yeah, it just depends on, like, I'm really open to, I'm, you know, I'm on my art project shit, man. Like, I, you know, let's, like, let's think of something funky and weird to do that no one's, no one's gonna, you know, like, surprise people, tickle you a little bit, you know what I mean? That'd be cool. Can you uh, talk about um, how you came up with, like, the script? Because the language and, the, like, the rhythm of it is uh, fantastic. Oh, thanks, man. Um, well... The core ideas came from thinking about the characters abstracted. So, like, thinking about Tybalt as this angry kid. Um, what does he have to prove? Uh, thinking about Juliet. Thinking about, like, a lot of the characters. Um, I wanted to see what the characters were doing when... Like, I didn't see in Romeo and Juliet. I wanted to see what they were doing while they weren't in that part of the script. And that's kind of where those ideas came from. In regard to, like, language <clears throat> and poetry... I wanted, I thought, when I read Romeo and Juliet, and when I thought about possibly doing something with Romeo and Juliet, one of the things and the criticisms I, I, sh I was sure I was going to get were from sort of like um, pseudo-intellectuals who were like, oh, this is a kid's play or whatever. And I'm like, well, okay, sure. Like, um, it is about children, um, young people, but if you're familiar with Shakespeare, half of it is just about the language and the use of the language and like the different, you know... Um, disciplines he uses and like how each of these characters has a different type of sonnet that they're more likely to use when they're when they're speaking so Romeo and that romantic kind of like you know so from that point I was like okay I want to do something like that too um and that's why I like Tybalt I think he he says like haikus twice it's like it's weird right <laughs> but it's like I wanted him to do it because it's like he you know um like he's he's disciplined his source style is like Kenjutsu right so, like, he has a different type of, you know, 
swag when it comes to like how he's gonna talk sometimes. Um, usually right before a fight, he does that. Uh, and I gave myself problems, and it's like, okay, well, you have to use this. Like, this is a problem that you have to, you know, this is like a constraint you have to use when you're gonna do the language. And <clears throat> that rhythm probably comes from like the uh, pentameter, you know. So uh, once you kind of limit yourself to that, I think the the language or the rhythm is uh, a given. And the only thing difficult about that was uh, <clears throat> formalistically working in the comic format. I have bubbles, and normally you don't have any capitalization. I didn't know how to like get the line, so it's all audi audible, right? Like the the line structure is not in here, so it's like I can't do. You know how you read a poem? It's like capital. If I had done that, it would have been it would have been crazy. That was the one problem that I feel like I didn't. Like, it was just too difficult to solve. Plus, you know, I didn't letter this, so... Yeah. I'm glad the rhythm comes through, because I didn't really have, like, a visual way of... getting that across. So, does that answer the question at all? Yeah. yeah. So, when you were... Um, obviously, when Shakespeare was writing, <coughs> like, he was thinking about um, the script in terms of being staged. Mm. Um, so, did you... When you were writing this, were you thinking about, like, the words being spoken aloud, or mm. what kind of the staging would be, or... Um, mm. And, like, and separate and sort of tangentially related is, you know, did you look at other, like, adaptations, stage adaptations of Romeo and mm. <clears throat> Um, I think at the time... Man, did was that out, or did I see that afterwards? Like, with... You know, looking back in memory, I know that I did see a Romeo and Juliet around that time, but I don't remember when it was. It was the guy who, he did an updated version of Alfie. What's that British guy's name? But they were in New York. Jude Law? Jude Law did a Romeo and Juliet. Oh, no, he did a, was that a Hamlet? He did, he did a, I think he did Hamlet. Oh, okay, that was Hamlet. Yeah, I guess I hadn't seen a Romeo and Juliet stage for a hot minute. When I was working on this, okay, so the first question. <clears throat> Whenever I write a script, I'm thinking about staging. Like I'm one of the art. I'm like the artist who, when I write, I'm almost like doing breakdowns in my head, right? Um, I go from an outline, like it's very deliberate. I have the whole thing kind of outlined out, and then like I go in, and yeah, I'm thinking because. The difference between a, say if you're working in theater or, I guess in film it's kind of that way too. Because like however many, like how long the scene is, is how many feet the film is, right? If you're working in film, right? <clears throat> and comics is like, well, yeah, this scene actually is also a certain amount of space. It's a certain amount of pages, you know? So like, I have to be aware of. And even the language, like, so if someone's going to go off for, like, you know, a big, you know, soliloquy or something, or, like, they're going to go in, it's like, oh, that's actually taking up space. Like, you know, there's going to, you're covering up the people in the room. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you're talking so much that you're literally robbing them of their space, right? You're literally uh, pushing them out of the scene. So I have to think about that as I write the script. Um and sometimes you find, like, I'll break down and I'll be like, yo, oh, well, I didn't even, I hadn't thought about that properly. You know, like, okay, this person has said something that is 
And oh, do you have Attack on Titan? You don't have that Attack on Titan anthology here, do you? Oh, word. Okay. <laughs> so I did something in that that kind of like there's this one scene that I uh, appropriated from um, Breathless, where like uh, I forget her name. They had the scandal with the Black Panther. She got short hair. She's like the main character of the film. Anyway, so she's questioning. Uh, she's questioning Jean-Pierre Melville is in the film playing another director, like, you know, story within a story. And I, I swiped that to put in this story. And so she keeps trying to ask this question and this dude in front of her keeps like kind of pushing his language in front and the bubble literally covers up her face, like pushes her out of the space. Right. So like, that's the sort of thing I've been trying to do deliberately now, but in writing, you have to pay, like, when it comes to staging, you have to think about language, space. I definitely think about the space. So, like, that first scene that I took out, I was thinking about, you know, I had to kind of rewrite that because, okay, well, no, nah, they're going to be out in front. And where they where they are is, like, outside of the building that I lived in, Crown Heights, so at the beginning. So, like, no, nah, they're going to be out in front of my building, and they're going to be shooting craps. That's completely different staging. And they had, I had to rewrite that. So then, like, well, later what happens? Like, how do they end up, you know, in that little chase scene? Oh, they climb up the fire escape. You know, you're thinking, you're thinking about, like, the natural course of things. Oh, but they were going to be in the bathroom. It's like, oh, but they're not in the bathroom now. They're on the rooftop. Oh, okay. So Gregory's going to pee off the side of the roof. And it's like, you know, then, you know, the staging starts to change how the story works, you know. If that makes any sense. Is that? <laughs> okay. Mike. Can you talk a little bit about how, you know, this book, you know, I, I mean, I was there, I was watching you sketch out ideas maybe related to this, mm. you know, 10 years before it mm. sort of came to fruition. And one of the things that really impressed me about the project was the fact that there's history in this book and there's like aesthetic history, personal and historical, but it's not really nostalgic. So, you know, it might be nostalgia now because you started this over 10 years ago. But like, can you talk a little bit about that? Can you talk a little bit about your personal history and your aesthetic and how that came to play? Mm. And that came, sort of came to the forefront in this book. The fuck? What are you doing here? <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Special, special guests. Special guests, yeah. Visions, visions, visions. <laughs> so nice. I'm about to make this joke extra long. Get a chair. Yeah, um... <laughs> So, is there anything in particular, like specifically, that you you were saying, like you know, as like, a as a, like, like, you know, in terms of dress, in terms of, of uh, in terms of environment, mm. yeah, in terms of so like maybe my personal put my personal space in there, or like even music, using like musical references. You know, oh, okay. Like, like you're you're using parts of your visual history, mm -hmm. right? And then you know you're sort of combining them together, you know. You know, they're not on the forefront, but they're there in the undercurrent. But what I what I'm what I'm saying is, is you did that in a way without being nostalgic. Mm -hmm. It's very natural. You know, you're not trying to like play into you know, you're not trying to be like, Oh, this is an eighties movie, right? Yeah, yeah, like, no, no. I mean saying? because like alright, so it was part of the problem that I was solving because one of the ways I thought about it was um 
one of the ways I pitched it that kind of became a way for me to like uh, a way for me to think about how I was going to solve the problem was uh, to Vertigo at the time. I was like, okay, well, imagine. So it's like Warriors, except like five, ten years later, right? And Warriors has like this vibe of all of the 70s New York street gangs, right? And, you know, um, you'll notice in, in this book, I'll, I also love the way things never happen all at once. So, like, if you were living in the mid 80s, there were cats that were still kind of rocking their 70s shit. And then there were cats that were kind of like, oh, they were down with, like, the house scene and whatnot. And they kind of looked like what it was going to look like five, ten years later. So the Montagues have a little bit of that, like, hip house vibe. You know what I mean? I was thinking, like, okay, these guys throw parties. They like to hang out. Like, you know, they're more funky. You know, they're, you know, they're a little bit more like that. But the Capulets are kind of closer to the 70s, right? So you have Samson. He still is rocking, like, his kind of, you know vest you know his colors you know what i mean and like they're kind of a little bit more new wave post-punked out you know what i mean like they got a little bit <laughs> you know they got a little bit more of that vibe so i'm thinking organically what do they like wh what do they do and like who are they and let that inform the style so like tybalt he's kind of he's kind of weird he's like wearing dress shoes like he goes to private school right like he's got a little bit of his shoes are very important like shoes are very important and what they wear you know like so um uh, Mercutio's got some nice little, uh, he's got some nice, nice shoes, you know, like, Petruchio had the really nice joints, right, that you see him get, that he never really gets to wear, but then, like, Tybalt ends up wearing them, and, like, literally and figuratively, he steps into Petruchio's shoes, so, like, the clothes are, <clears throat> the clothes are very important, and talking about nostalgia, um, that's one of the direct anecdotes to something that happened to me in my life is I got a pair of shoes from a cousin who was a victim of street violence, right? So I don't look at it as nostalgia, but more kind of like being aware of the time and I don't know, storytelling, right? I think there is sort of a currency to nostalgia that people you know like even say uh the appropriation of certain symbols items samurai swords like you know all of that stuff it's like you could you could use it as a commodity as like a like almost like a fetish to fetishize right like oh the 80s were cool like you know everyone was wearing like i don't know chunky socks and like jelly jelly flip-flops and stuff right and snapbacks and whatnot but it fits in because you're using you the way you have the Montagues, like them using swords is not any different than like people going up to Dapper Dan's and getting right. yeah. <laughs> jumpsuit, yeah, yeah. so you can kill the game. It's fashionable, you know but like saying? also like also in the '80s, what people don't, I mean, if you young, you might not remember, but in the '80s, like, yo, Japan was whooping our ass economically. Like everything was Japanese in the '80s. Like if and you see it in other comics, in a sense, like so. The X-Men, right? Or Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Like, culturally, we were heavily influenced by this other culture. Economically, that was, like, really going in. Had been going in on us since, like, the 70s, right? With the, um, when, uh, we had that oil crisis because of what happened with the, uh, the war with Israel and Egypt. And, like, our whole economy kind of flipped. Like, we couldn't have the big cars anymore, right? 
And then Japan came in. With the middle cores. Yeah. And like, yo, all of our TVs started to change from like Magnavox to like Panasonic, Sony. You know what I mean? Like all of our cartoons were actually animated in Japan, right? G.I. Joe animated in Japan. Oh, you know what I mean? Like, you know what I mean? Like, so our entire aesthetic is built upon It's Japanese, all built upon that shit, Japanese right? Japanese hands and craft. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like, so, um, are and we... And with a Power Ranger head. Right. In a way, it's organic, it's an organic, it's an organic, uh, cultural influence, um, the pretense that you actually know anything about Japan outside of the commodities that you receive from the place, now that's some bullshit. <laughs> right? Like, that's some bullshit, right? So you could rock this little hat, just like you could rock some, like, Louis Vuitton. You don't know anything about Italy. You know what I mean? Like, you don't know anything about <laughs> French, 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 you don't know anything about French leather goods or whatever, but you're rocking them. You know what I mean? You're rocking the Gucci. You're rock, you rocking that, right? So, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Y'all three motherfuckers came together, though. <laughs> no, because you here now. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. All right. Squat, man. Squat up. Team That's fine. Y'all, y'all make me feel real special. <laughs> Fucking. Straight mobbing. Granny. Fucking Chris. All right. Yeah. Anybody else got any cool questions? Uh, we talked about this in the group, but... Uh, Next. This, we had this conversation... Uh, that teetered into me knowing that, like, you come from Southeast, mm. as a dude comes from Southeast, and oh, okay. understanding, like, how, like, how, like, the houses work, or how, like, uh, I talked about Rafael Edmonds, in a sense. Oh, shit. How, <laughs> yeah, like, it got, yeah. it wasn't recorded. Okay. You know? <laughs> so, I mean, I'm not yeah. worried about Rafael Edmonds. Yeah, no, <laughs> Wayne Perry, maybe. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> but, I, I have the, no, I, I'm not a professional. <laughs> uh, we, we had this discussion of, like, and it, in a sense, like what Jake had mentioned before about like how like the black body now is more you know more visible mm-hmm. to see the black body just drop, but how it changes at the end now like and people were, we had this this little discussion like oh you know you kind of wish it would go forward but I was like man how many folks I know mm-hmm. that once it's over it's done like mm-hmm. there's no no obituary for them there's nothing their families can't afford it. And they still got to go through all this stuff, and they don't know how to deal with it because it's just it. Mm-hmm. And we're not taught really that, like, how to deal with that emotionally mm-hmm. or nothing like that. And I was wondering, does that, like, you know, that upbringing in a sense in Southeast, like, mm. have a play into, like, how you did this? Possibly. I mean, I think you do carry certain. I think, be it in media, like, even if you don't grow up in Southeast or you don't grow up in, like, the Bronx, the South Bronx or whatever, I feel like even the spectacle of violence against black bodies is crazy. Like, one of the things I've always noticed in movies, like, everyone gets to die. Like, they get shot in the arm, they get shot in the stomach or the leg or something. But, like, you always seeing a black dude just get his whole cap pill back. Like, his whole head, like, a hole through the middle of his head. And it's like, really? And I think, like, you don't... I think you don't notice it if there isn't some sort, if it isn't, like, your proxy on screen, right? You know, like, damn, that guy didn't even get to die with a face. Like, that was crazy. Like, you know, he was like a, I was, he was like a secondary character. You know what I mean? Like, what the fuck, you know? And it happens, you know, but, like, to, uh, you know, to a, to a higher degree to black bodies, even in popular culture. Uh, growing up, possibly, you know, possibly that was part of it. But I want to say something, um... Maybe this is getting dangerously close to leading how you view the book, but uh, I would argue that the majority of the book is about a character dealing with that type of grief. 
you know. Nah, nah, um, definitely. <laughs> and from scene one, you know, like uh, sort of characters struggling with that environment and dealing with it. You know what I mean? Yeah, we got so, into that last. Yeah. Time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, cool. Does that does that answer? No, that answers yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> the colors in this book are gorgeous. I think they might be in like my top five favorite. Oh, wow. top five. Still <laughs> 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 Um, but I was wondering if you could talk a little bit about how you picked the color schemes for the Montagues and the Capulets. Mm. Because I thought it was really cool how you used that to distinguish between the two. Hmm. Uh, I mean, it just seemed like a. I didn't. I didn't think too hard about it. I guess I kind of have like a a palette set that I started out with, and then they start. They. I just start to like. Okay, well, this is what these guys are wearing, and there's a color that they wear that kind of unites them, but there's a color that they don't. They don't share. Right? They don't sh- like the. They don't show the blue. They don't show show the yellow. And um. Uh my color process stems from like some of the problems that i had from the very beginning in regard to like conceptually what i wanted to do with the color which was like um i was thinking about uh avant-garde japanese theater posters um kicks like 80s kicks and stuff and um and like the palette of the 80s and the kind of uh the overlap there you know sort of like um i got this aesthetic principle that i applied to my work um and it informs how i think about color it's called like shibusa right which is like um it's an aesthetic principle like uh there's german ones uh you know you probably heard like wabi-sabi before you know um that's japanese I can't remember what it's like. There's a crazy German one, like, thank you. I don't remember how you how you say it. It's like five words I all know smashed you up together. Me about yeah. German. Anyway. <laughs> but it's like, you know what I mean? So like I have one that I use and it's important to me, and that's Shibusa. Shibusa, right? Shibui, right? So like kind of uh how it tends to manifest aesthetically is muted tones, like uh maybe something with a little bit of a a gray or an ash added to a lot of colors and then with like a pop like a pop in color um and i like the primary cm cmyk colors so like i i tend to use those as a um as a pop you know like so i went with those two um groups having one of those two although the montagues kind of have more like a they've got more of a Oranges too. Yeah, all over the place. Yeah. yeah, but like they have more of that. Yeah, they like they full eighty seven. Mm-hmm. They full eighty seven. Well, kind of going off that, you, the book is sort of split into the pages with the black panel gutters and the pages with the white panel gutters. Mm-hmm. Um, and the ones with the black is like more the action sequences, and where you go a lot more hardcore into like eighties five colors. Mm-hmm. And then the the ones with the white pages tend to be a lot more of the kind of slice of life scenes. You got the barbershop scene and the they had you want to hear something stupid <laughs> the ones with the white gutters happen during the daytime <laughs> that's all yeah. that's all yeah um i kind of got you know i started thinking of thinking about gutters and panels and kind of like when i'm in the movies and like you know when you're watching the movie and it's like the whole room is dark and it's something happening at night 
and like the edges of the screen kind of like melt into the outside mm-hmm. and I was like yo I kind of I kind of like that and I was like okay I want to do something like that also in like Bede like Bandazane like a lot of times they have like borderless panels and I was like I like that too so like that was one of the I'm not going to say it's arbitrary it was done to effect but it was definitely kind of like I like the way this looks you know what I mean as opposed to like oh well this 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 it's like no nah, I like I like this more Daytime, nighttime. Yeah. Daytime, nighttime. You know, it feels like you're in the dark, right? It feels like okay, I'm in the dark on this during this time period, right? As opposed to like, oh, with the white borders, it's like okay, it's daylight. You know what I mean? Like so, the you know, I don't. That's how I. That's what I think. I don't know. That's how it works. Yeah. So when we were in, oh. when we were having the discussion book club, we were trying to figure out the time period, and we were talking <laughs> you get this. <laughs> you know what I do? Um, but like, there's something. There's a. There's a. There are things that kind of ruin it because Petruchio's story happens like. Uh, well, I guess see, the funeral will have to be pretty rather soon, right? That's a good question. Normally, I'd make an outline. I do two outlines, right? I have like my narrative outline, and because of the way I've been. I've been doing it's it makes sense because when I was in college I was really into Robert Altman right so like um what I have to do is I make a timeline I don't I haven't looked at this in like six years or some shit but I make a timeline so that I know so somewhere the answer is there but I don't know I don't know I don't know the answer Okay, it may, smiles. you know what, it may okay. even be, it may the even be, out there. yeah, like, the thing is, like, I, I, I scanned a bunch of, like, little sketchbook pages and shit, like, I don't know, it, you know, I don't know, it may be, you never know, like, it may even be, like, <laughs> yeah, because, like, I just put stuff in here you that was, put like, all sketchbooks in there, you nah, nah, sketchbooks. yeah, yeah, I didn't put all of it in, you understand, like, this whole book was drawn, like, a bazillion times, yeah, <laughs> I have emails. I put emails. They were missing at a Bad Brains concert. Oh, are you sick for real? Yeah. Oh shit! I don't even remember that. <laughs> I, I, I got, I. That's a hard. That's like a terrible memory. I just like blocked out of my <laughs> brain. Was like, nah, I don't need that. <laughs> yeah. Are you good? Yeah. Thanks for the water, by the way. Just to go off a little bit on what she was asking about the color theory. Um, the reason I brought up Matsumoto earlier was mm. I was more interested in the. In the artistic DNA mm. and what's going on, like what you were looking at and what you were thinking about when you were putting the lines on the page mm. and the storytelling decisions you were making. So I don't have a question beyond just if you want to just talk about that stuff for a little oh. bit. Um, yeah, man. I think like my, I think my biggest, Matsumoto Taiyo, I, like in regards to like what will I read if they come out with anything, like he's on the list, right? Um, but, and I think he definitely influences my work. Um, it's not deliberate. The people who I'm deliberately taking from are probably the same people he's deliberately taking from. Which is like, so when, so like, when I was working on this, I was deep on Milton Caniff. I was deep on Toth. I was deep on um, Jose Munoz, actually. I was deep on at the time. Uh and my artistic background, one of the guys who I've kind of looked at since, this might sound kind of trite, but like since college, 
uh, it's like almost like saying you look at um like postcards or something like hallmark cards but like uh <clears throat> so what's informed my entire way of thinking about reduction and like symbol versus uh actual subject would be hokusai and hokusai is someone i i'm constantly thinking about even on this black history project i'm thinking about like um i forget what you call them but like the little things where i i write what the guy's name is and like the quote oh, no, kind of like i don't know what thing. they call but clearly i know the graphic but like yeah i'm thinking about this guy hokusai i think maybe the loose the loose and maybe uh quivering line is re- reminding of um matsumoto tayo uh yeah i also was looking at a lot of uh european comics and stuff like when i get my hands on them yeah so right before i did the book i was in i was in luca right uh at the luca con because i was in i was over there for the thing and um i picked up a stack i picked up the bar joe's bar i picked up alex sinner um i picked up a bunch of European cartoonists, I didn't even really know who their names, I don't even remember to this day, just like dope looking cool stuff, like I had a little bit of bread and I picked them up, and I think seeing Munoz's work in like high volume right before the project started was like definitely like an influence on me, and that that line that he has is just like, it's amazing, like Jose Munoz to this day is like, I don't know. He's one of my he's one of my favorites to look at. I'm not like uh I don't really even need to read them. I'm not like a big <laughs> fan of Sampaio. I like their relationship. I think it's very romantic, those two guys like kind of making comics for all those years. But I'm not really a big fan of writing. But I can look at those books and I did because I can't speak Italian as an Italian those books. So But yeah, um Matsumoto Tayo though, yeah. Like did you read Takemitsu Zamurai? I can't buy it. It's not available yet. Uh, I, I don't have access to it. You gotta to get that, that translation, son. <laughs> <laughs> I always feel bad as like, am I reading this? Is this gonna make it more or less likely that I'm actually gonna bring it over so I can give them money? Sometimes yeah. they never wanna bring it over. Yeah. Matsumoto Tayo is like, uh, he's a Gekiga guy. And like, he's also, he's weird. And like, the, the, way, the way people think about comics internationally, first of all, everyone says like, oh, I can't, well, in America, they take comics seriously. In Europe, they take comics seriously. In Japan, they take comics seriously. In each one of those places, they're saying that. And in each one of those places, they're, like, <laughs> they're kind of like marginalized a little bit. And also, like, so when you're here, you're like, oh, well, um, this is what, you know, you have all of these guys like, oh, this is what anime or this is what manga is like, right? And it's like, okay, that's funny. Right, and then when you get to Europe, they're like, "Oh, that's what American comics are like," right? And it's just like all the spandex, and like it's like they don't see any of the other stuff, right? And it's like, "Oh, that's American comics," and like here, I guess Europe has the best sort of like PR like that Image. because we don't really have a reduced version of like what we just don't really get that much better here, right? Yeah. That's probably what it is. It's we don't even have pinnacle. a brand yet. It's like the pinnacle. I don't want to be like this. Yeah. I want to draw albums. Like, yo, get yeah. out of my face. Yeah. I want that, I want that Toriyama movie. Yeah. Like that shit. I want to have fun. Yeah. Well, there's some guys in, no one's, no one's making Toriyama money anywhere, you know? 
So like, you never. I mean, outside, there, outside, you know outside of mean? Japan, no one's making. That's money. what I want. I want rapper money. <laughs> <laughs> I, want, I want. I want pop star money. Yeah. Oh. Well, want this little. A lot of cats in Japan want that money too. You know? Hey, that's a good goal. They just yeah. ain't seen it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they see somebody going diamond. You know, it's like, oh, it exists. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, I'll be happy to be like a Matsumoto Tayo. I think. I mean, I don't know how much money he makes, but I don't think he's like. He comes from like a manga family, though. His cousin does. What is it? That street one? Yeah, I forget the name of it. Like gangster shit. Anyway. That's what we said. Shit. No. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Families. Oh yeah, no, but I think that's actually brings up something I think is dope. I wish it worked like that more here, though. I wish it's like, okay, well, all right, I want to work in comics, so instead of me kind of being at the mercy of all of these like really whack companies and stuff, like, all right, well, I'm gonna be an assistant to you know Chris Visions. I'm gonna like you know paste you know like uh, do paste up his boards in the morning or like letter his pages or like you know. He doesn't really. You do everything you directly. You do everything directly on the page anyway, so it doesn't matter. You know what I mean? Like, but like, I guess if you know, he'd be a terrible person to be an assistant for because like he wouldn't get to do anything. But like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but yeah, okay. I what what happens? Like, oh, I was the guy who drew like a thousand windows in Akira. You know what I mean? So like, yeah, we'll give that guy a job. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and then you know the business, right? You've seen, you've seen like. uh Otomo like doing his paperwork you've seen how he works you know like that's why you you wanted to work with him you know what I mean like Tangent the best part of that Akira Club book mm. where Dark Horse put out is it has all his like notes in mm. it talking about the diary of him making the book it's like oh my bad the book is gonna be the comic will be really late because, like, we got this really big scene in the movie. <laughs> and then it's also like oh he's working on the yeah, movie yeah and it's yeah. also like I need a new assistant and then yeah. like he's putting up like Craigslist postings like yo Oh wow! Out. I, gotta get, I gotta get some new ones in. Wow. Like. Well, he probably just burnt them out. Like, <laughs> he fucking died. Look at that. He's, he's like, like, damn, man, Ultimo's garbage is heavy today. It's like a fucking cartoonist. Jaws and smoke, smoke from the jets. Yo, so many, so many windows though. So many windows. So much rubble. What you get the book yeah. for? So much rubble. <laughs> I think he destroyed the city just because he didn't want to draw those windows anymore. <laughs> I was like, yeah, no, no, I'm going to knock all this shit down. <laughs> yeah, anyway, is that it? Any any more? Oh, yeah. Um, oh, that means you wrote something down. When you first started off the uh, Black History in its own word series, what role did Emory Douglas play? Because I saw some stylistic like influences. Yeah, no, he's in the he's in the one next the one that's coming out next year. He's in there. Yeah, no, Emery Douglas is like, I mean, it's obvious. Like he's 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 super important not only to that but to like a lot of the work that I do. You know, um, <clears throat> he was one of the first and most visible sort of black visual artists for me coming up. So like, I would say, yeah. So identity wise, aesthetic wise, like he's like the identity aspect to like what Hokusai is you know what I mean it's like alright this is a guy who his art is I think the quote I use is that the movement like the art was inspired by the people like the people 
were one of his biggest inspirations to make art. And I think, like, for me, that shit is inspire, inspiring, man. Like, he feels like a link. Hmm? Like, yeah, he feels like a, um, a link. Yeah. 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 So, so. It's like, wow, okay, um... You know, as much as people, it's like, oh, I was the first to do this, this, that, and the third. There's actually some power in being like, okay, I'm part of a, a legacy. Like, I'm part of a, a history of people doing this. And there are a lot of great artists, men and women, who work with the Panthers, you know, besides Emery Douglas. But, like, yeah, nah, he's bad. He's dope. You know what I'm saying? Minister of Culture, you know? Emery Douglas. You guys know who Emery Douglas is? Yeah, it's great. So, um,. He doesn't come up in Prince of Cats that much, but like, yeah, he comes up in a lot of my other work. You got one and, more question. Yeah, all right. Why did you expand so much on Rosalind? Because mm-hmm. I was just, I mean, I was curious about a, a couple characters when I was starting out. And it was characters who we never saw in Romeo and Juliet. And that was Petruchio and Rosalind. Petruchio only mentioned in, like, I think, the stage directions. And uh, Rosalind is like, yo, she must, she must be bad, yo. Like this motherfucker talking about her, man. Like she must be bad. Like <laughs> she must be ill, right? So I'm like, or is she though, right? Because Romeo is like, so I was like, oh man. And I don't know, man. Like I just wanted. I was thinking about this character who, like, you know, she's working with the uh, the duelist, right? She's a photographer. Like, she's doing her thing. Like, she's in this world, right? But she's not... She's observing this world. And kind of, like... She's one of the few characters who I think actually sees it and is like, ah... I'm not even going to play myself. Like, (laughs) you know, like... I I have the talent, you know? She's the one who gets out. You know what I mean? Like, she's she's like, okay... No, that shit was crazy. She was intrigued by the life. You know what I mean? A little bit. She saw how ugly it was, but it was also very, you know, yeah. it's intriguing. And like, as a photographer, as an as an artist, like, just to have a subject, violent, whatever, powerful, is like, you know, that's intoxicating. But then, like, she got wrapped up in it and completely disillusioned by it, right? And it's like, this motherfucker, like... <laughs> wow, what out these Yeah, like, alright, I'm not even gonna play myself. You know what I mean? Like, you know, I got a lot of shit going for me. You know what I mean? I got a lot of shit going for me. I'm not going to fucking waste my time, you know? <laughs> she's out here wilding. Yeah, like, you know. Yeah, no, I like that character a lot. It was, and it was, I mean, I feel like that's, of this in the story, like, that's my character. You know, like, that's a character I got to create, you know? Like, whole cloth. Yeah, because yeah. she doesn't even listen to yeah. story. So, and I was just thinking about, she did, she basically had the same uh, sort of, you know, she had a, I imagine that she's one of the older characters in the book, you know? Yeah. Um, because, like, Romeo ain't good for nothing, no way. She, like, she, he was a little bit of fun, right? You know what I mean? And then Tybalt was a little bit of fun. But then at, by the end of that Tybalt thing, she was like, what am I even doing? Like, this is crazy, you know? So. No, I just wanted to, yeah, I wanted to draw that character. I wanted to write the character. So. Any, uh... We can keep going, like, you know, I don't got nothing to do. <laughs> <laughs> this sort of relates to what you just asked, and I don't know if you questioned so much, but um, I really liked how the women were represented. I mean, that's always in comics, like, frequently an issue. Um, I don't read comics. <laughs> um, in every media, it's an issue, <laughs> really. Um, 
but and I like what you did with Rosaline, but then I felt like Juliet, I, I just, I don't buy her mm-hmm. as, like, if you were to keep telling the story, like, she wouldn't go and kill herself. I don't know, no. I, it's like you made her too well, strong. That's, well, that's you know, the thing, like, like, Which is, I, so, I don't know, it's like, does, I didn't write that ending, so, yeah. like, <laughs> <laughs> I don't let that happen, you know? Yeah. Like, but, that's my whole thing, is like, yo, you killed, you killed my cousin, though. You know what I mean? Like, right. what next? Right. So, like, I'm, I'm literally leaning on all of y'all's imagination, because I'm like, I'm not... Within the setting that you set up, <laughs> yeah. I was like, I don't know if she can let that rock. Like, yeah, like, yeah. like I don't even know if her family can let yeah. that rock. Ain't no, Cause you going to go and hide somewhere, yeah. fam. I'm yeah. going to find she's you. Right. <laughs> like, and also, it's like, yeah, because she's not as, like, if it were flipped, I could see maybe Romeo being cool with it. Because, like, he's a, he's a fucking, he's a yeah. fuckboy, right? Yeah. But, like, she, you've already seen, like, you know, she's working through some things. She's figuring things out. Like, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. So, like, what happens? That's it, you know. But, you know, maybe that's more representative of the, that time, and maybe that's a little more true to home than we... Yeah, I don't know. I've known some... I have a little sister, and, like, I got cousins and stuff, and I've definitely seen them do some stupid stuff, you know? Um, I actually have in my family, like, I've had, you know, uh, relatives who are violent, and I've had... And I've seen... I seen some wild shit, and it's actually there's no explanation. And like I think that's the craziest thing about telling stories. Sometimes is like people do shit. Where you're like, wow, like why? Why do you do it? And you can tell them like, yo, why do you keep? Why do you go back to that dude? Or like, why do you? There is no clear motivation. There's yes. no clear dramatic. Sometimes it's motivation like, is like. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> nah, it's terrifying. That's like the truly scary part about it. That's when you just roll your eyes. Sip that tea like Kermit. <laughs> <laughs> you put the savage. You put that hood on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes. Dark, dark yeah. Kermit is the best. <laughs> Where did that come from? Yo, man, it's the second Muppet movie most wanted. There's oh, another freaking Kermit, it's like, and he has a mole. Yo, and you put the hood on. You sneak up on Kermit. Yo, that's the best. The fact that somebody's like, I thought I'm make like, this like, this like, like, I love that. Meme. The last five years of Muppets have made all the best memes in the world. Yo, Darth, Darth Kermit is my hero. I need, I need that hat. <laughs> the dog that's like that. peak meme right now. Like that's, <laughs> that's really, that and that beans, greens, tomatoes. <laughs> <laughs> you man, yo, Shirley Caesar. Why had to put that on the end of the episode? <laughs> yo, it's Thanksgiving week. All right, yeah. All right, is that it? So I guess we're wrapping. Am I gonna before, like before you finish up? Can you talk a little about what you're working on right now? Okay. Um. I'm working you on... You just added a whole extra 15 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got Sunset Park. Yeah. We got Gratuitous Ninja. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got Black History in its own words. Yep. And that's we, like... What else? That's like... Well, that's what... And, and eventually Slave Punk. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I have to finish Sunset Park. Yeah, yeah you got it. Yeah, you got to get through the, the, Brooklyn, um, the Brooklyn art. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Um, wow. Yeah, slave Punk gonna drop like year two Trump or like is, it, is something gonna happen? <laughs> slave Punk, yeah. man, ooh, That's you got crazy. a lot of books. I think we, we, we think about maybe it's post twenty eighteen election. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Get it? Yeah. <laughs> well, no. I mean, well, I mean, I don't want to hype it up. I don't want to talk about it too much. But like, Slave Punk is just like it could literally be my life's work. 
But I have to do like um, Sunset Park. And I'm kind of, you know, I'm writing, I'm drawing the characters and stuff right now. Um, and man, researching and still researching. It's like late 80s Brooklyn. Yeah, late, well, technically it's late 80s Brooklyn. It's, uh, it's a whole other stuff. But yeah. like, if you fit into your Brooklyn narrative. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's late, 80s, it's late 80s Brooklyn, contemporary Brooklyn, um, yeah, some other shit that's kind of like spoiler alert. But like, uh, that's what that's what my winter is going to look like, that work. And uh, oh, it finally, finally came Oh yeah, the winds of winter appeared. <laughs> <laughs> um, and Black History in Its Own Words was dropping in February. Um, I'm going to try, you know, like get it into the comic book stores, try to get it into like some other stores, museums and stuff, and I try to do that. You For know. those who don't know, the past couple of years, Ron's done images where he's taken uh, black figures and taking quotes and them drawings. It was on the nib the first time? Yeah, it was on the nib times? the first time, yeah. yeah. The second time I just did it on my He just own. did it, he put it out there. And so now he's doing a, another batch and sure. putting it out through yeah. image. It comes out in February. Yeah, February Black People's Month. Yeah, so I'm like, yeah. you know, stay inside the house. So. <laughs> it's like the purge, <laughs> except like you go outside and it's like it's just dope music. So like the first two are like two EPs, and this is yeah. like the final album. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, the way I feel is like I looked at the, the sh- like the cast who didn't make it. And I'm like, wow! I need to keep doing this, man. Like, I, you know, I can literally do this every year. You can do it all the time. Yeah, yeah. There's always. There's, I love there's it. so many black folks. I love it. And I just love to like. I love to give the attention, to to the figures. Like, I, it feels really good to just like, oh well, Nina Simone. Like, oh well, fuck. Like, I get to draw Nina Simone today, and it's like, yo, I, she should be getting drawn all the time, and like, I get to pour that that love. That like I don't know if you guys saw the documentary. It's like I get to pour that love. Like you know, she should have got way more love than what she got. Hell yeah! And I get to I get to lavish the way that I can that I can express love. I get to lavish it, you know, on her or like my heroes, Emery Douglas. So like you know, all you know, all types of people on there. I got like I got Cheryl Dunye in there, like the filmmaker, which I saw. I wasn't even gonna put her in there, but then I saw her at a screening of her one of her films, Watermelon Woman. And it's amazing. She's like Spike Lee era, um, uh, black woman director. Um, essentially, it's kind of like it's not. It's not like man. Yeah, I mean, I hate to reduce it like this, but it's it's dealing with some of the same themes, but definitely from like a queer black woman. You know what I mean? As say something that Spike would have done, right? Mm-hmm. And in that sort of playing with that pastiche of like that and also like early cinema and it's great so like and she's in there um yo I got some bangers in there I got Muhammad Ali and Prince in there this year um yeah it's gonna be a good year but anyway I could do it every year I feel like I should just take a week or two off every year and just do 12 yeah yeah draw people eventually you get the you get the the big tone yeah you build it up I haven't even done Grace Jones yet (laughs) 
She says there's so many quotes. There's too many quotes. Maybe just Grace is just in each one for like, you know, Here's the thing is that you can quote Grace Jones, Grace Jones, and then you can quote Grace Jones, Estrange, and Boomerang. Yeah, exactly. And it all works. Oh, and then like, okay. And then like, Gratuitous Ninja, when is that going to finish up? Well, it was supposed to finish up this November. I got um, Afu Chan doing like the second six, but then I have two, I think, there are four episodes that I've already got in the can that they haven't put out yet. I heard that app just got out on uh, Android. Android, so so late, but yeah, yeah. I ain't wanna, I ain't gonna talk about that. <laughs> but like, yeah. So, but you should get it. Yeah. Just so you can read his comment. And also, and Irene got a comic on there too, right? Yeah, yeah. Irene on there. Irene too. Cole, she got a comic on there. It's dope. Yep. There's only two people I know. Yeah. There's somebody else in the They're gonna be mad. At me. Anyway. They can be mad at me because I might not know. Um, yeah, I think Afu got like he got like a a Marvel book coming out. Yeah, he right? got that. Was it Iron Fist? Afu Chan. Yeah, he drawing he drawing some Marvel book with Kung Fu in it. That's the only way you going. That's the only way you gonna get me to buy it is put his work. <laughs> buy it. <laughs> I'm sorry. I ain't here. <laughs> I'll just get the PD slide me the PDF. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna let you eat. Right. I'm gonna put that ski mask on. <laughs> uh, the Black Pearl. <laughs> Yo, I got all types of ships. <laughs> the greatest ship is friendship. <laughs> so, I guess we. Oh, hey, more people showed up. Yeah, man. We're <laughs> we wrapping around the block now. Um, uh, well, punk. I guess we're switching to doing a signing now. Hey, everybody. Thanks for coming. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> right. Can it paint? Can it paint? I ain't gotta tell you what the rims look like. Look, I'm gripping wood like a motherfucker. She asked me, can a friend ride? Kelly wanna have a drink. And Shani wanna pop pills all night. Look, don't be fucking with my tape, Dad. You gon' listen to this Marvin. You gon' listen to this Bloodstone. Oh, y'all niggas with that bare white. Well, I don't really fuck with that right there. I can make a nigga act up right there. But go and get your rocks off, boo. No, 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 I don't really do all that, but it's more for you. Far from a pimp, but I'm close to you. You fucking with an old soul twice removed. My pops used to work up on them fighter jets. Maybe that's the reason I be through. Now who the fuck called me a player? I ain't one of these young niggas out here sweating for a pay stub. I'm a coach. I'ma teach these bitches how to lay up. Now most of y'all can't do shit, but all my chicks cook grits.